Thank God for fences. Hello, Victory! How are you guys today? Looking good up in here. It's summertime, you got your dresses on, the short sleeves, right? Listen, I wanna take a moment and I wanna welcome those who are watching with us online. We've got people joining with us from Antigua, Pakistan, and Sierra Leone, as well as throughout the United States. We are so glad that you are joining with us today. And I just wanna thank all of you who are here in the building with us today and those of you who are online. And let me just say this, um, you are family. Whether you are in the building or you online, you're that extended family. So we're so glad that you joined with us today. If you're new with us, we've been in this series called Fences, called Fences. And we're in the third week of our series where we've been exploring the fences that God has established and created for our lives. And when we look in scripture, whenever things that are holy, God erects fences to protect those holy things. Because things that are holy have to be set apart. They have to be protected from the things that aren't holy. And we looked at this word in the Hebrew called kadosh. Kadosh, which means to be holy, set apart for a special purpose. And we discovered that the first thing that God called holy was time. But not just any time. We saw how God takes one day a week for, apart from everything else. We saw that in the beginning when he created the heavens and the earth and he established this thing called the Sabbath. And it's this mindset of rest, this thing that we call holy, a time set apart for him where we can rest, we can pray, we can play, and we can be replenished by him. And then last week, we looked at the second fence that God erected, that God called holy, and that was this, it was us. God called us to be holy. And in the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, one through two, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I am holy. A command to us to be holy because he is holy. God is the one and only holy God. In fact, in the book of Leviticus, it's over six times that he repeats that statement. He's set apart. He's different. He's unique from everything else. And he's saying, hey, I haven't called you to live a life according to the world's standards. I haven't called you to live a life according to what social media says to say or do or be. I haven't called you to follow this specific political party. I haven't called you to an attitude of legalism or religion, but to live holy as I am holy. And we are called to live holy as he is holy. And today, as we close out our Fences series this final week, we're gonna look at the third fence that God erected, that God called holy, which was this, the holiness of space. He created a fence of space, this holiness of space, this place, this space that would be created between us, boundaries with us, with people, with God, this place that was set apart and holy for meeting with God. And this space we see was created in the Old Testament. It was called the tabernacle that God established and created. And he gives his instructions to Moses in the book of Exodus, uh, chapter 25, verse eight, and it says this. He tells Moses, he says, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. Have them build me a holy sanctuary so that I can live among them. 
See, in the beginning, it's here that God has set this holy space, this place set apart for him, dedicated to meet with him so that he could live and dwell in us and among us. And in this set apart holy sanctuary and space, there were these boundaries. There was these spaces that were created as he gave instructions for building of the holy place, that tabernacle. There was an outer court space. This is where everyone and anyone could come into place, right? It was a common place for people to dwell. There was an inner court space, which was uh, specifically reserved for a few. And then there was the holy of holies where God remained and he dwelled. It was his holy space, his sanctuary set apart for him. And the tabernacle was the first dwelling space and place that God dwelled. And then later on, we see that it was no longer temporary. There was a temple that was established in Jerusalem where he dwelled, where he remained, where that holy space, that holy place was. And with each of these spaces, when we look at this outer court, this inner court, this holy of holies, it gives us an idea, it gives us an understanding, just a suggestion of how boundaries and relationships and spaces are to be modeled in our life. See, in this space, in these places, the Holy of Holies, all of these places, they had various levels of access. There were boundaries, there was purpose, there was order, and there were roles assigned to each space. Everyone couldn't enter into the Holy of Holies. Everyone couldn't enter into that inner space. Everyone could come into the outer space, but the reason they couldn't come into that Holy of Holies is because it was set apart. It was kadosh. And just like those spaces there were set apart, I believe God wants us to look at that model for our lives. See, the spaces of our lives are holy. They're set apart, and they're to be ordered by the one who dwells within us. See, this fence of space, these boundaries, this this holiness of space that God created and that he established years ago in the tabernacle and then in the temple is a model for us today in having healthy relationships and boundaries with others. Listen, we have outer court, right? Outer court, you're walking through the mall, right? Walking through the mall, you see people, you see people, they're strangers, right? It's distant friends, it's acquaintances, that's your outer court. Then there was this inner court. It was where the priestly tribes were. There was a select few who could go in there. It's your family, maybe your spouse, your close friends. But let me just say this. Not everybody is meant to be in your inner court. Not everyone is meant to be in your inner court. It's not about having 5,000 friends on Facebook. They're not all in your inner court or, or Instagram. I've got 50,000 followers. They're not in your inner court. Those are people who are in your outer court. You're supposed to have a select few in your inner court, those closest to you. And then there's this holy place, this holy space where God dwells, and that is where the high priest would have access to, and that represents God dwelling and living inside us, where there are spaces and places in us, and he says, this is for me. This is where I remain. This is my space. This is my place, and it is not meant for others to come and step into Then, back then in the Old Testament, right, before Jesus comes on the scene, the priest was the only one who could go into the the Holy of Holies. The priest could only go in. There was a wall that separated, a veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the other parts of the temple, from the other spaces. And it was in that moment, the priests, they were called to hear from God, be guided by God, to give word to the people. And then a beautiful thing happens in the New Testament. Jesus comes on the scene. 
He comes on the scene. He becomes the ultimate sacrifice for us. He dies on the cross for us, and he becomes a gate for us to have a relationship with the Father. He opens the door to the holy space, and as he sacrifices his life, what do we see in Scripture? The veil that separated the inner court from the holy of holies is torn in two, saying that now are able to have access to the Father, not through somebody else, but through Jesus Christ, as you invite him to be your Lord and Savior of your life. He becomes that gate for us. And then I love what 1 Corinthians 3.16 tells us. Jesus becomes the gate. And then the Bible tells us this in 1 Corinthians 3.16 is that then we become the temple of God as the spirit of God lives in us. There was a fence of space, this holy set apart space that was created from the tabernacle, then the temple, then Jesus pays the price, the veil is torn in two, and now God comes to live and dwell in us, in me and in you. See, there's a special space and place in our lives that God wants, us, wants to have with us. He wants to have a relationship with, with us, and out of that, he wants to teach us how to have healthy boundaries, healthy spaces in our relationship with others, in our relationship with others. He's like, hey, not everybody's meant to be, right, in that inner court. Listen, that, you see my hands, right? This is, not everybody's meant to be inside here. Now, everybody, I, this is fine, Right? having people out here, but not everybody's meant to be in here. See, Jesus even modeled that for us. When we see Jesus walked among the crowds, right? There were crowds of people, but Jesus wasn't blasting everything through his microphone on social media, telling everybody how he felt all the time, every time. No, he shared his heart with those he was closest to. Behind closed doors, he shared his disappointments. He, he shared like those things that he was passionate about with his closest friends, his family, his disciples, and there were only a few that were invited into that space. And then he had a holy space that was reserved for him and his time with the Father, amen? But here's the truth. Here's what we see, right? Listen, while we've allowed Jesus to be our gate, if you said yes to the Lord, you've said, hey, I want you to be my gate. You have access to the Father into that space, right? And Father God dwells in you. Jesus Christ dwells in you. What we know is this. Jesus is our gate, but we got a lot of things screaming for our attention to come into our spaces. A lot of things and a lot of people coming in, trying to steal that affection, that attention, and take up residence in our lives, whether it be people or things, to dwell, and they're not supposed to be there. And we've allowed other people or things to just come and take residence and dwell. Let me just say this. Everyone is not meant to be your bestie. All right, now, everyone is not meant to be your bestie. Not that, and everybody's not meant to know, not everybody needs to know what's going on in your life, all your business, your business, your business, right? Not everybody needs to know all your business. It's not, hey, let me post 500 things on social media today so everybody can know, I just went to the bathroom. <laughs> I mean, no, seriously, there are people who put their play-by-play -play all the time on social media. Everybody's not, doesn't need to have access to everything going on in your life. Um, when I was growing up, uh, my grandmother, who is 90, she's gonna be 99 this year, y'all. Come on now. My Mimi's gonna be 99. I got those genetics. Johnson, be ready. I got those genes inside me. 99. She said she's gonna live to be 106. I'm like, okay, all right. If you can do it, Mimi, so can I. Anyway, uh, growing up, I will never forget, she had this friend, we'll call her Gertrude. I don't remember her name. We'll call her Gertrude. 
Anyways, Gertrude, Gertrude worked at the local newspaper in our small town, and Gertrude would call my Mimi, and she'd be like, hey, Margie, what's going on? Hmm? You got any news? What's going on with people, huh? Anything you can share? She wrote the gossip column. Now, she called it like the Jones Jots, but it wasn't that. It was the gossip, right, of what was going on. <laughs> and she would want to know what was going on in everyone's life. Listen, when it comes to our inner person and those things going on inside us, everybody is not meant to hear everything or we're not meant to share everything with everyone. We've got to protect those spaces that God has put in our life and, and those spaces and the space with the Lord, the space with other people that are closest to us, Right? But here's the thing, when it comes to those spaces of our inner person, it can be hard to determine what to share or who to share with, right? Physical boundaries is a lot easier like to go, uh, no, you're too, you're, you're too close, right? COVID established that, right? I'll be in the grocery store, there's your mark, right? Here's my mark, if I'm stepping here. You, get, you, get, you guys know, maybe you've given the look, maybe, none of us have given the look, right? Um, but you know, people will give the look of like, mm, you're too close. COVID thankfully has reestablished physical boundaries and helping us to understand how close is too close, right? But when it comes to those inner things inside our hearts, our spirit, our emotions, and mentally, what we share online, what we don't share, what we share in the company of others, right? That can be hard to determine. And we live in a space, in, in a place right now in the world where people don't always respect other people's boundaries or spaces, right? Come on now. You've got bosses texting on days off. There's other people's emergencies that are like, this is my emergency. It should be your emergency. Listen, and this can go both ways. We can insert our emergencies over other people or we can take on other people's emergencies. Come on now. We're guilty of both, right? But what's tricky is when those spaces, those places, those boundaries get crossed or violated because what can happen is lines can get blurred. Lines can get blurred and it just creates this problem where we don't know how to say no. Can I just say today, I wanna give you the, uh, I don't give you the power, you make the choice to take it, but I want you to grab a hold of the ability to say no today, okay? I want you to grab a hold of the ability and the power to say no today, right? Because the truth of the matter is we've had lines crossed, we have to learn how to say no. Sometimes we don't know how to do that, because of past boundary violations, whether it be from family or friends or even Christian teaching, that was wrong. Uh, when I was growing up, I had some physical boundaries that um, were crossed. And just as a result of that, it affected me emotionally and it affected me mentally, how I valued myself, my self-worth, how I treated others, to be honest, as well. And in the church culture I grew up in, the message that was preached was, you forgive and you forget, you move on. Which yes, we extend forgiveness when someone wrongs us. We extend forgiveness when somebody crosses into our space over our boundaries. We extend that forgiveness to them saying, God, I choose to forgive this person, I lay them at your feet. But we don't just move on, we have to ask the Lord to come back in and restore health and healing to those tender spaces and places where boundaries have been crossed. Amen. And I, I think too often we think, okay, I'm just gonna put up a wall versus have offensive space. Let me just tell you, walls are impenetrable. You're not meant to have a wall. You're meant to have a healthy fence of space. And with that, so 
You wanna allow God to come in and restore order to those holy places inside of you. And I had to get to that point. See, Jeremiah 30, verse 17 says this. It says, I will give you back your health and heal your wounds, says the Lord. I will give you back your health and heal your wounds, says the Lord. I believe today that God wants to restore health. He wants to restore healing in our lives by teaching us how to establish a healthy fence of space. But we have to make a decision. Are you ready? We have to make a decision. Are we gonna allow God to restore health and healing to our spaces, or are we going to wall ourselves off in isolation? Are you going to allow God to restore health and healing or are you going to wall yourself off in isolation? See, God wants to give back health. He wants to restore the breaches where spaces or boundaries have been crossed. He wants to give us guidance how to live out of that holy, intimate space with him and others. But we have to make a decision to set up a healthy fence of space in regards to boundaries. So how do we do that? How do we set up a healthy fence of space in regards to boundaries? The first thing is this, is that we have to recognize, I have to recognize I am my gatekeeper. Recognize I am my gatekeeper. I am my gatekeeper and you are your gatekeeper. Those of you who are online, you are your own gatekeeper. Proverbs 4.23 says this, keep your heart with all diligence for from it flows the springs of life. Keep your heart with all diligence, for for it flows the springs of life. It's here in Proverbs, it says, hey, keep your heart, right? Keep it. In another version, it says, guard your heart. To keep those spaces, protect it, guard it, watch over it. But the scripture doesn't tell us to wall ourselves off in isolation. Listen, the only thing that has walls is a prison, Right? There's nothing in or out. We're not meant to have a prison, right? We're meant to have a fence of space where we keep things, where we guard it, where we protect it, but we're not to wall ourselves off in isolation from the whole world, where nothing can come in or out. We aren't called to have walls, but we're called to have fences and a healthy fence of space. And when we think about fences, every fence has what? A gate, thank you. Every fence has a gate, right? Jesus becomes our gate, right? Jesus becomes our gate, and with him by our side, we make a decision and determine as a gatekeeper what to keep in and what to keep out, right? A, a gate keeps things in. Listen, it keeps my dogs in so they're not running like crazy into the other neighbor's yard, right? But it also keeps things out. It keeps wild animals out. And let me just say this. Keeping is not closing. Keeping is choosing. Keeping is not closing. It's not walling my heart off to others. Keeping is choosing. And as a gatekeeper, you choose who and what to respond to. You purposely open your gate, I'm gonna allow you inside, and you purposely close it to who you don't want. When you're navigating relationships, you're navigating requests, desires, and needs. And when we keep and guard our hearts, we take responsibility as gatekeepers for our own lives. See, as a gatekeeper, God has given you the responsibility. He has given you the freedom, the choice, right? You are the one that's gonna be held accountable as the gatekeeper of your own life. I'm not gonna be held accountable for, you, for your gate. I'm not your gatekeeper. You are your own gatekeeper, your mama, your daddy, your friend, right? Nobody is going to be held accountable. They're gonna be held accountable for their actions, but you're held accountable for your own life. 
So your boss are not held accountable, right? You gotta learn that no. Only you, the decisions you made will be. And if we don't pay attention, if we don't monitor our gates, if we're not checking our gates, right? Is there anything loose? Is there a screw loose? Is it stuck? Did I keep it on lock, right? If we don't monitor the boundaries of our lights or those gates, then what can happen is the spaces inside our lives and with relationships that can become overrun with confusion, with making wrong decisions, bad choices, and it can become dangerous. Um, when I was 16 years old, my parents gave me uh, a car, which was a Mazda pickup truck. How many of you know how to drive a stick shift in here? All right, okay. It's my people right there. Listen, I learned, and those of you online as well, I learned to drive a stick shift when I was growing up. Like, that is what I learned to drive on. Felt like a bad girl, not like bad, bad, but you know what I'm saying, like, oh yeah, I know how to drive a stick shift because that's what I learned on. And uh, the car, the truck that they gave me, um, I called her Bessie, Bessie the brown cow. She was my truck. So not only did I know how to drive a standard and learn on that, I had a truck. Oh yeah, watch me go. Let's go, that's right, let's go. So I'm excited, and my sister and I are 13 months apart, my sister Stephanie, and she's excited because now I'm driving places, and what? I'm gonna take her places too. And so I'm like, oh yeah, girl, come on, here we go, here we go. I'm getting in that truck, rolling my window down, mm-hmm. So anyway, we're 16, and, and one day after school, she, makes, she comes to me, and she's barely 15 at this time, and she's like, hey, she's like, hey, um, do you think we could go after school today? and go pick up jeans from my friend Laura's house. I don't remember the friend's name. I'm like, well, and I think to myself, mom and dad said to come home right after school, but, and I think, think, but they're like an hour and a half to two hours away. They're not gonna be home till probably 6.30. Yeah, we can do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Who cares? Let's do it, right? So Stephanie hops in the truck. I'm driving. We got our music rolling up in there. Stone Temple Pilots, whatever it was. I don't know back then, right? I'm going. And I have a brilliant idea. Are y'all ready for this? Get ready. I don't know if you're ready. I'm like, hey, I'm barely 16. You just turned 15. Let me be a driver's ed teacher for you and let me teach you how to drive. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So bless her heart. I love my sister. Stephanie, if you ever watch this, I take some responsibility. Um, <laughs> So anyway, we are almost to uh, the neighbor's house, or the neighbor, the friend's house that lived across town, and I had that brilliant idea. So I'm like, hey, you wanna learn how to drive? And she's like, okay, right? She looks up to big sister. We're like best friends. We're still like best friends, by the way. Uh, uh, I hear somebody going, uh-uh, exactly. So Stephanie gets in the car. She gets in the driver's side. I'm in the passenger side, and I am instructing her how to learn how to drive a standard car. And she is like, rawr, rawr, you know, rawr, rawr. and it's like, oh, it's like dying. And I'm like, come on, get it. She's not getting it. So it's, you know, starts to go stop. I think I got whiplash just even in that moment. So we pull up to this stop sign. I'm like, turn right. She turns right and she starts going. And as she's going, I'm like, gas it because you're gonna miss the turn. So she floors it. And I said, oh, you're gonna miss the turn. And she turns the wheel I think she forgot where the brake was at that point because she plows into a brick mailbox. I fly forward. Now, we were wearing our seatbelts, but I fly forward, hit the windshield. It's a spiderwebbed out windshield. Like, you're talking, I probably would have been ejected had I not been wearing my seatbelt. She hits the steering wheel. She's got a bruised sternum. I'm bleeding from my head. She kept saying, I 
She will tell you to this day that I kept saying that I was gonna die. I don't know that that's true. <laughs> I mean, I could have been dramatic, maybe, maybe not. I don't think so, but she says, I kept saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die, whatever. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Maybe I wasn't the best driver's ed teacher. But all that to say, when that happened, I had a choice. Now, granted, I was 16. She was barely 15. But I had a choice on whether or not I should follow what my father was telling me or I should go over and be led by what somebody else was telling me. Sometimes even those closest to us will take us off track. See, in that moment, we both suffered physical damage, but can I tell you, we also suffered emotional and mental from that as well where she didn't wanna drive for probably two or three years and she didn't get her license, I actually took the blame and fall. That's another story for another time. Um, my parents know now, but for about four years, even the policeman, um, I said I was driving and I took the fall because I feared the repercussions of, well, my license will be get taken away and she won't get her license. But it, we both suffered this physical but emotional damage. And when we give people unrestricted access, when we give them access to our lives that they aren't meant to have and we're led by them versus led by the voice of our father, right? Whether it be a boss, a friend, a family member, we give them permission to spaces and places. And when we do, sometimes bad things happen. But here's the question. God's saying, hey, Yes, those things have happened, but I wanna do this. Are we going to allow God to restore health and healing to our spaces, or are we gonna continue to wall ourselves off in isolation? The choice is ours. And as gatekeepers of our lives, we have the freedom of choice to who and what we respond to. So I wanna ask you a question. Is your gate always open? Is it wide open? always res responding with a yes to anyone and everything who wants to come in? Are you allowing strangers to just come into those intimate places? Who and what is ordering the innermost spaces of your life? Who and what is ordering the innermost spaces of your life? Are you keeping your heart or are you closing your heart? Because if we're gonna allow God to restore health and healing to our spaces, we've gotta become good gatekeepers. See, a good gatekeeper does this. A good gatekeeper establishes personal space boundaries. A good gatekeeper establishes personal space boundaries. Let me just say this. When we talk about boundaries, when we talk about, we always think about out here what I do. I'm gonna put these, these things up. This starts in here. This starts in here. It starts with you making a decision to take your life back with the Lord and be led by the Lord. And out of that, those things happen. Those things happen. We have to establish personal space boundaries. See, there's scientific research that's actually been around since the 1960s. And it talks about three spaces or boundaries or zones, we might wanna call them for the people in our lives. And the first space is this, it's our intimate space. It actually says it's 18 inches from here out, from your body out, 18 inches. That's reserved for your, close, your family, your spouse, right? Your closest friends. It's that inner space that only a few hold. But not everyone's supposed to be in this space. Not everyone's supposed to hold this space with you. It's those that you can share your closest dreams and your desires and your disappointments with. 
It's not saying, let me blast this completely out to the masses on social media and share everything with. No, it's saying this right here, these, those close things here need to be stayed, stay in here, this close, intimate space. Obviously, we have this space with the Lord because he dwells in us. That's that holy space and place. And then there's also personal space. This is a space that friends, acquaintances, whole people who you socialize with, you share some things, but you don't share everything. And that's actually a foot and a half and four feet beyond. And then there's social space where these new interactions take place with people. You're meeting new people, strangers, all of that limited to no information is shared. And that's, like I said, you're walking through Target or something, right? What's up, Target? I see you from a distance, you're a stranger, but I'll wave. Um, those are the limited interactions, but we're not meant to invite everyone into those personal spaces or the intimate space. Uh, a few years ago, we were at Stone Mountain for the One Race event, and um, a complete stranger comes up to me and strikes a conversation up with me. And as he, as he does this, he's sharing some of his disappointments with me regarding the Capital C Church. He's angry, he's frustrated, and he's like spewing venom. Um, basic, not really, not like literally. But he is like, blah, just sharing things, his view about the church and women in the church. And um, as I started to give my opinions, this man started to come into my personal space. I felt very attacked very violated, he started coming inside this boundary. Then I'm like, back off, bro, I don't know you, right? Those alarms going on inside, stranger danger, stranger danger, right? Stranger danger, I'm like, back off. So, and literally, I, it, and so I'm like, I, didn't, I don't think I said it, back off, bro. I probably wanted to say it like that. I know I wanted to say it like that. Um, but I did say like, hey, no, you need to stop. I started to argue with him and he did not like that. He didn't like that one bit. Let me say this, Brene Brown makes a statement she says, daring to set boundaries is about having the courage to love ourselves even when we risk disappointing others. Daring to set boundaries is about having the courage to love ourselves even when we risk disappointing others. Listen, he was a stranger, but some of you, having the courage to set boundaries, it's, it's challenging because it could be your friend, could be your mom. It could be your dad. It could be your boss, right? Could be a spiritual leader that you know. Having to establish boundaries, that, that takes a lot of courage to love ourselves because we can risk disappointing others. But establishing personal space boundaries is important for your health and creating that fence of space as you as a gatekeeper. It's important to set up those personal space boundaries. But remember, you're a gatekeeper, right? You're not, just in the, you're not just behind a wall where everything's blocked off, right? So a good gatekeeper establishes personal space boundaries, but a good gatekeeper also says no to inappropriate behavior. A good gatekeeper says no to inappropriate behavior. 2 Timothy 3, one through five says this, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. We set up those personal boundaries of space, right? And then we say no to inappropriate behavior. We say no. 
um, when that happened at Stone Mountain, as this guy literally continued, he would invade my personal space. I would step back. I would step back, right? He was boastful. He was proud. He was arrogant. He was unloving. He did not even want to hear the truth of the word as I'm disagreeing with him. And so, to be honest, like, and, and initially, I'm like, I'm riled up. I'm like, Come, you want to go? I know the word. You want to go? Let's go, right? Come on. We'll go toe-to-toe. But as I would share the word, he got more angry and would literally try and dominate over me. And I had to just stop because the Bible says this, don't argue with a fool. Don't argue with a fool. I knew there was no winning in that moment. You cannot argue with a fool. You cannot just continue in that. So I knew I needed to walk away and I needed to lean into the Holy Spirit and not just rely on what my natural response was, was telling him where he could go and literally... I mean, I'm a girl, I would not, look, look at that. That's, that's pretty powerful right there, right? I wouldn't hit him, but I, I wanted to slap him in that moment, right? I wanted to win the argument, I, I really did, but I knew I couldn't do that. And so I, I had to lean into the Holy Spirit, and to be honest with you, because this guy was so close invading my space, I just began to pray, Lord, send someone, send someone, send someone, because this guy is not understanding my respect to space right now. I said no, he wasn't respecting it, and I kept saying no, and God sent someone, and, it, and then he was, he was dealt with in a very kind and firm way. Um, not literally, he wasn't hit. Anyway, which leads me to the third thing, like as a good gatekeeper, right? We wanna establish those personal space boundaries. We, we say no to inappropriate behavior. And then this, we have to be guided by the Holy Spirit. We have to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Listen, our flesh, our flesh will like encourage us to go beyond the Spirit. Let's just say that. But we have to be guided by the Spirit. Galatians 5, through 23 says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. See, self-control is wise management of yourself and of your space. Self-control is gonna do this. It's gonna help me determine what I post and what I don't post online. Not everyone wants to see a picture of you in your swimsuit. Come on now. We're up in the club, right? Listen, I'm not up in the club, but I'm just saying. Like, right, not everybody is meant to see everything online. You're not meant to put everything out there, like I said earlier. Um, John's like, listen, this is about you too. Not only enforcing personal space for you, personally, but also if you're a parent in here and you have kids, it's also protecting that family space. Johnson and I had, uh, we kept, we would share pictures of the boys and we still do now and then, but we had someone who started sharing pictures and posts of our children out on social media. No, sir. I don't know you. Listen, this guy was in the crowd. He wasn't up close and personal. He started trying to share those things. So what, what do we have to do? We actually had to block that person because they were sharing things that were appropriate. We had to set up that personal space boundary with them and say, that's not appropriate, right? Self-control also helps us to determine what I respond to, not react to. Response, I'm gonna share with you. I'm, we're gonna talk about this, but reaction, you better believe there might be some of this going on in it. I don't know, I'm a woman, All right? It's reacting versus, it's responding versus reacting, right? Self-control is about managing me, but not managing we. Self-control is about managing me, but not managing we, right? 
Uh, we, if you're a parent in here, you give instruction, you guide, and you instruct your children, train up a child in the way that they should go so that when they are older, they will not depart from it, but I'm not called to lord over them. I am to stand alongside them, teach them how to be a good gatekeeper, but not lord over them. We teach them how to be good gatekeepers. I was having a conversation with my son Jeremiah yesterday and something that happened and I said, listen, you can't own somebody else's feelings. You can only um, own your own and you, and you own your gate as your gatekeeper and you choose how you're gonna respond. But you can't own their feelings. Self-control, we have to learn how to manage us, right? It's about managing me, but not managing others around me. But, we all, but when we have children, you bring them in. But once they get 18, they become what? It's so quiet in here. Nobody wants to answer that. They legally become an adult. So if you, you got, listen, you got, if you're a parent in here, you got 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, and you're trying to tell them how to run their life, we'll talk about the next, we'll, we'll get there in a second to talk about how we, uh, how we become uh, good gatekeepers, right? Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit and this connection that we have with the Holy Spirit. We wanna receive guidance as good gatekeepers and be led by the Spirit. And here's the thing, the Holy Spirit's not gonna choose for me, right? The Holy Spirit's not gonna choose for you, but the Holy Spirit's gonna give you everything you need to manage your gate well, to tell you, hey, you know what? You should probably lock that gate. Listen, you have, if you've said yes to the Lord, you have an internal thing inside you that you're gonna have this, mm, Maybe I shouldn't let that person close. When you feel that, when you feel that, don't let that person in, even if they're banging on the gate trying to get in. People will try and bang on your gate to get in. They'll try and open your door to get in. The Holy Spirit lives inside you, inside me, and the Holy Spirit lives inside you. He will give you everything that you need to be guided by him to have to be a healthy gatekeeper. See, Jesus modeled what a healthy gatekeeper looked like, right? He, he modeled to us how to love. He told us how to love. And with that, he had healthy boundaries all throughout his life. He chose time with God. He would get away and rest. He would go to be with God so he could be replenished and refueled in his spirit. He lived a life of holiness. And he had special spaces and places in his life in regards to those closest to him and his relationships. And his, led was, his life was just led by the spirit of love and what he said and he did. And I love in uh, Matthew 22, verses 36 through 39, the Pharisees, right, he's in, this, he's in this conversation and the Pharisees come up and ask him a question and they say this, teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, one, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. We're called to love God first and out of that love and God first, here's what we're able to do. We establish these, these boundaries in this space and then and he gives us a second commandment here, Jesus says, and then a second is equally important, and that's to love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's important, right? One, we wanna love God. He lives, he dwells in this space inside of us, this healthy space inside of us, but we also wanna love our neighbors as ourselves. And so when we are guided by the Holy Spirit, right, and, and submitted to the Lord God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind growing in him, we take choice, we take ownership of the choices in our lives and we set up healthy personal spaces and boundaries and become healthy gatekeepers that are, are led by the Lord, guided by the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing, here's what that produces in us. As we get that right in here, it helps us to honor and respect other people's fence of space. 
When you learn how to become a good gatekeeper in here, it helps you to honor and respect other people's fence of space. So how do we establish a healthy fence of space? One, I have to recognize I am my gatekeeper. You are your gatekeeper. The second one is this. This is outward focus. We become a watchman for others. We become a watchman for others. Do you guys remember those old neighborhood watch signs like that would be in neighborhoods? It was like the creepy guy with like a black hat and trench coat and sunglasses. He's always like this, right? Like one eye looking out. You remember that? I don't know that he had his foot up, but I did. Um, You guys remember those? So last year, Johnson and I moved, and one of the first things when we moved into this new house, um, we had a neighbor come over, and we introduced ourselves, and we're talking. He's like, I'm the neighborhood watch. Me and Angela down the street, we are the neighborhood watch. So we see who's coming, we see who's going, right? We notice there's suspicious cars or strange things happening. I'm like, oh, it's great. I mean, we're, we're thankful because he's like, not once has anybody ever like broken into a house on this neighborhood, like on this street. We're like, that's, that's great. He's like, we're the neighborhood watchmen. I'm like, all right, all right. Oh, oh, okay, okay. It's like, when are you guys moving in? Uh, you know, are you done today? Or are you, we, we have a few more days. Okay, I just, I'm just trying to make sure who's gonna be coming in and going out. Okay. Right? He cares about our space and he cared about our space. He cared about our property and what was happening, but he respected the fence lines. He respected the boundary lines. He was a watchman, but he was respecting our space. See, when, when, loving others of our, when loving others as Christ loves us, when we love our neighbors as ourself, real healthy love always respects the, fender, the, the fences and the boundaries of our neighbors. Real healthy love always respects the fences and the boundaries of our neighbors. Who's your neighbor? Anyone who is not, who is not you. Others are your neighbors. So I'm not just talking about the person who lives next to you. I'm talking about the person sitting next to you right now. They are your neighbors. And here's the thing. Crossing boundaries without permission is trespassing. Crossing boundaries without permission is trespassing. You've seen those signs, right? Don't go over here. Danger trespass. Trespassers will be shot, right? Trespassers will be shot, right? Trespassing. Some, Some of those people have those signs in their yard. Trespassing is going into spaces you're not invited into. It's going into spaces you're not invited into. And we might think of that as a physical space, but that's also emotionally or mentally where we try and insert ourselves with our ways, our decisions, our thoughts, our beliefs, and try and place them higher than anybody else. Let me tell you that. When you start inserting yourself like that, you insert yourself as a godlike, a godlike voice. None of us are God. There is one God, he sits upon the throne in heaven, and none of us are, try, are supposed to try and be God. We emulate the image of God and what we do and how we treat others. Listen, trespassing is doing things that others haven't asked you to do. It's guilting people that don't open their gate for you. It's guilting people that don't open your gate for you. No, no. We are not to guilt people that don't open their gates for us. Let the Lord deal with them. Let the Lord deal for them. If there's no choice, it becomes control. And the only form of control we see that is biblical is self-control. The only form of control that we see is biblical self-control. And the difference between a watchman and a trespasser is this, it's choice. It's choice. The difference between a watchman and a trespasser is choice. 
uh, in the book of Exodus, it gives us a healthy example of what a watchman looks like. God sets the Israelites free from Egypt. Everything's great for like a hot minute. And then everybody's complaining. Everybody's all up in arms, arguing. And Moses like all day and night would just sit and be the judge for an entire nation. Can you imagine that? Imagine sitting all day, people just right here. I think I would zone out at some point. So Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, he comes in to visit and he sees Moses is exhausted. He sees the weight that he's under and the burden he's under, all of these people waiting. And we catch up to the, the verse here in Exodus chapter 18, 17 through 23, but the story where Jethro says this, this is not good. Moses' father-in-law exclaimed, you're gonna wear yourself out and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now listen to me and let me give you a word of advice and may God be with you. You should continue to let the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him, teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions, show them how to conduct their lives, but select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 150, and 10. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures, and all these people will go home in peace. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and follows his suggestions. So Jethro's posture here, his dis disposition was out of love. He noticed the weight, he noticed the burden, right, that Moses was under and he cared about him and the people. But notice what he said, I will give you some advice and may God with you, may God be with you. I will give you some advice and may God be with you. He offered advice, he released it to God and Moses chose. When we stand as watchmen along somebody else, they're already at their gate, they're their gatekeeper, but when we stand with them, we, we come alongside them with care and concern. We help and assist by celebrating with them, right? We help carry their load, but we don't run other people's property. And when we talk about the fence of space and other people's boundaries, we wanna honor ours, right? Ours, but we also wanna honor theirs. We let people be their own gatekeepers and stand alongside them as watch them, right? We wanna hold their arms up when they're tired, right? We wanna give advice when we say, hey, your fence is on fire. I'm gonna tell you your fence is on fire, but I'm not gonna, it's up to you to put the fire out, right? We have to let them do those things, right? Or if there's a, a, a breach in their fence, they fix it. We don't fix it for them. We come alongside them with care and concern and stand alongside them as watchmen, right? We let them know, hey, maybe that person shouldn't have access to your space, but we don't take control of their gate. We don't take control of their space because they're their own gatekeeper. And as a healthy gatekeeper, it's important, I wanna say this, it's important for us to ask these questions. Am I being a healthy watchman, offering advice or counsel while releasing the outcome to God to give a person freedom of choice or Am I lording my demands over other people's space to try and take control? We have to ask ourselves those questions because God has called us to be a gatekeeper of our own lives with established personal space boundaries with people, right? He's called us to have that set apart kadosh space of rest, of holiness, he has given you a voice to say no to inappropriate behavior. He wants you to grow in and be guided by the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be a watchman for others. 
as you love your neighbor as yourself. He wants you to honor the spaces that are set apart, the fence of space in your life and also others' lives. We talked about Jesus earlier and we see Jesus lived a life that was led by the Spirit, directed by the Spirit. He managed his spaces. He chose to respond to relationships and requests and needs as the Holy Spirit directed. He loved God, he loved people. But honestly, his choices and decisions weren't always loved by others. Living with a healthy fence of space doesn't mean everyone around you is going to be happy about it. If it happened to Jesus, it's gonna happen to us. In the book of uh, John chapter 11, we read the story about uh, a man named Lazarus. And Jesus, um, it says that Jesus was a friend of Lazarus. And in it, um, his sisters, Mary and Martha, Bethany, they send word to Jesus that, hey, Lazarus is ill. Come quickly, come quickly. But when you read in the scripture, Jesus doesn't immediately go. He actually stays where he, where he was for two more days. And when he shows up on the scene where Lazarus was, Lazarus had actually been dead for four days. And as he gets there, the sisters both come out separately. And the first thing that they say individually to him is, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Now listen, there are gonna be moments if you had been here, there are gonna be moments, where were you? But we have to live lives guided by the Holy Spirit, guided by the Holy Spirit as our own gatekeepers. We see Jesus was moved with compassion. It says he was troubled in his spirit. He wept. Lazarus was his friend. He was close to him. And we see later in verse 33, a miracle happens after he is moved. He steps in, tells Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus raises from the dead. And in that, there's excitement. Some people are, yes, this is amazing, right? But then some of the Jews were still complaining. Verse 37 says that some of them said, oh, is this a man? Right, right? He, couldn't, he who opened the eyes of a blind man and well, he couldn't keep this man from dying? Complaining. Right? And then we catch up in verse 45 through 46 and we see the final outcome in John chapter 11. It says, many of the people who were with Mary, believed in Jesus when they saw this happen, but some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. He had raised, Jesus, he had raised Lazarus from the dead. He dealt with the questioning of his love, of his ability, of his motives. Mary and Martha were super close to him, right? And in the end, some believed, but some rejected. Jesus knew why, we don't. And we won't until we go to heaven and maybe he'll answer that question, but here's what that shows us. Not everyone is going to love or respect your fence of space with the boundaries you put in place. Whether it's holiness, whether it's rest, those things that you set apart as holy, not everybody's gonna love or respect that. There's bound to be some who question your heart and your love for them, but we are to treat our lives as kadosh, holy spaces set apart for him, set apart for him when it comes to rest in our time, holiness, and in our relationships. And when we live our lives ordained by him, led by him, the Holy Spirit and the Father empower us to live as self-controlled gatekeepers who love and care for ourselves, obviously, but also for our neighbors as watchmen. So here's what I wanna encourage you today. 
Maybe you're in this room, and maybe like me, at some point you had some sort of boundary that was crossed or physical space that was entered into that it wasn't meant to. Maybe you've had some of your gates been open for anyone and everyone to just come in and they've been wreaking havoc in your space, right? That they're not meant to. But today, maybe you wanna make a decision that you wanna become a better gatekeeper and you want God to re-erect a new fence of space and you wanna stand guard with him as the gate and you're the gatekeeper to make a decision who you're gonna allow in or out because God's given you a voice to say no. You can establish those personal spaces with him. The Holy Spirit wants to guide you. Maybe you just need to recommit in growing and being guided by the Holy Spirit. Let me just say this. This is a continual thing for all of our lives, right? We are continuing. We have to continue to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're in this room and you've trespassed against someone else. Maybe even when I said that, somebody dropped into your spirit, dropped into your mind, you saw a picture of them and you need to go back and you need to repent to them. I wanna encourage you to for someone, if you've trespassed against them, if you're able to do that, maybe you're not physically, write a letter, ask for forgiveness for somebody you've trespassed against. Wherever you are in this room, the Lord wants to bring healing. He wants us to set apart those holy spaces for him. He wants to restore health and wholeness as we erect those fences of space with Jesus as our gate and us being our gatekeeper. Let's pray. If you found yourself in any one of those places, maybe you've been trespassed against and you need God to help you reestablish some new fences of space. Maybe you've been walled off in isolation, but you feel the Lord today saying, hey, let down your wall so that I can come in and I can dwell and you can live a life that's guided by me as your protector, as the one who loves you. Maybe you've trespassed against someone else. Wherever you are in this room, I want us to just pray together. I wanna pray us to just pray together. And if you can, if you feel comfortable with this, I would encourage you just to even open your hands in a posture. You're sitting, that's fine, but just in a posture of surrender because this is, you're asking the Lord to come back, set up some things or reinforce a new fence of space in your life. And let's say this today together. Say, Father God, I come before you in an attitude of repentance. Father, I ask for your forgiveness where I've allowed other spaces, people to come in Lord, or other things to take up, take up residence in places they're not meant to. I ask for your forgiveness, Lord, and I repent for trespassing against others and trespassing against you. Today, I ask for forgiveness for both of these things, and I make a decision to have you, Holy Spirit, to be my God. Father God, I thank you that I am a temple, that you live and dwell in me. And out of that, I choose for you to be my guide as my gate, Jesus. I choose to be a self-controlled gatekeeper of my life while loving those around me. And I choose to be a watchman, Father. Thank you for your forgiveness, God. It's in this moment, I say yes to you. I choose to serve you all the days of my life with a healthy fence of space as you as my gate and I will be my own gatekeeper. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I read the scripture earlier.
I read the scripture earlier of Jeremiah 30, 17, uh, where the Lord says that I will give you back your health and heal your wounds. And if you're in this room, I want us to pray that prayer of making that decision, number one. But I wanna pray over you. If you feel comfortable, do this. If you don't, don't, it's fine. But maybe you've had those lines blurred and you just need to receive some healing today. You just need to receive some help today. Maybe you're online and you need to receive. If you feel comfortable opening your hands, I just wanna pray a blessing over you and I'm gonna ask God to come in and enter into those spaces and restore those spaces for you. So Father, right now, I thank you for your sons and your daughters who are in this room. And right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, you are the Lord God Almighty who comes to dwell and live in us. And Lord, here's what you said in your word in Isaiah, that you will restore health and healing, Lord Jesus, to the wounds that have, been, that have happened. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray for physical healing earlier and emotional healing, but Lord, I declare healing over minds, Lord, healing over bodies in the name of Jesus, that Lord, you would invade every space that the enemy has laid claim to, Lord, and you are restored for good, Lord God. That, Lord, you are bring back hope. Father, I speak peace, Lord, that you would reveal yourself as protector, Lord Jesus, for those who haven't felt protected. Lord, that you would restore love, Lord, for those who need love and to see the healthy love of you from the Father, God. Reveal to them, Lord Jesus, your love, who they are, Father. And right now, I just pray a blessing upon them, Father. Begin to fill them, Lord. They would experience your presence and your healing power even in this moment. Thank you that, Lord, your word says we can boldly come before you with our throne, uh, with our prayers and our petitions to your throne, Lord. We come before you right now in the name of Jesus. We lay these things out as an act of surrender. In exchange, as we lay these things down, Father, I thank you that in exchange, you are giving them what they need to heal those healthy spaces and restore them, Lord, to brand new. So I speak restoration over your people healing over your people, spirit, soul, and body as they erect a fence of space, Lord, with you as their gate and them being their gatekeeper in Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you.